It's longer time. Yay! Yay. Lager Time, Poems, Stories and Thoughts, by me, Paul Cree. Who else? Yes, 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 yes. Greetings, bonjour, what's happening? Welcome to Lager Time, not quite live edition. My name is Paul Cree. I do this Lager Time podcast. Uh, tonight's a little bit different to what I normally do. Uh, as in, it's me really running through a loose set of poems, stories and a couple of songs on the loop station in lieu of a few upcoming gigs I have coming up. Don't perform live that much these days and then all of a sudden I get four uh, all at once, all in short succession and all requiring something slightly different, which is good, I guess. But you know what, I've been trying to this week go through and learn some pieces, some of which I used to perform quite regularly. I don't know, I don't know if I'm getting older or I'm out of practice, but my memory is not what it used to be. So tonight, so I've got a, like a loose set. Uh, I don't imagine it will be any more than an hour. I hope not. And uh, it'll be a few pounds of stories and then three little bits on the looper. It's all going to be a bit rough and ready. So if you listen regularly to what I do, I I like to script things. It's strange because I never used to do that. You know, I perform all the time. So I'm quite used to kind of riffing and things. But So tonight is loose. reason why I call it Not Quite Live is because I was dead set for ages on trying to do live streaming on the internet and this was the kind of next best options i'm not streaming this i'm just recording direct into cubase but i've got the loop station all plugged in so it's still kind of live it's quite raw but it's not i'm not going live like that old program we watched when we were kids so anyway uh enough of that bollocks all right well i can see how weak this signal is all right, here we go. So the first piece I'm going to do, uh, this is an old one. Uh, this is called Trap It. It goes like this. I was walking home from work, tying a shirt, trousers and shoes. Got to the green near my house. Some young boys were kicking a football about. Full kit, replica tops, shirt, socks, astro boots. They must have been about 10. I must have been about 40. I was minding my own business, casually musing on the subtle differences between my favourite brands of crisps, Walker's Max and Real McCoy's, when one of the boys has overhit a kick and the ball has suddenly rolled over towards me. I froze, then my heartbeat rose, yet time seemed to slow down, then out of nowhere suddenly I heard a big crowd, then my old football coach. Big gruff cockney voice, bulging red blood vessels in the side of his neck. West Ham top and tats, pink Ralph screaming out the top of his mouth. Paul, don't do anything stupid. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. I told myself, relax. Just trap the ball. Get it under control and very carefully just pass it back. But then another voice. 
And deep inside the hidden isolation unit on my mind suddenly jumped up and screamed out, Bo, this is your chance. Show them what you can do. Show them your skills. Somewhere in between thinking about those two opposing views, I stuck my right leg out. And my right leg was confused, unsure what to do. The ball hit the outside of my black leather lace-up shoe, taking all the power out and just meekly bobbling behind me. Like water drops dribbling out of a tap into a drought and just rolling into the road. Like my very own You've Been Framed video. I slapped my forehead and just to rub salt into my wounds. I looked up to see the kids in the replica kits laughing. I'm making rude hand signals at me. You're rubbish, mate. I put my hands up. Sorry, boys. I just ain't got it anymore. Right, there you go. So that's Trap It, all right? So um, I used to perform this when I, pre-pandemic. Like lots of us, I was performing pretty regularly for a good couple of years. I had a solid set of, uh, I don't know, it was interchangeable. I made maybe 10 to 15 pieces. And typically I'd go and do a set for 20 minutes, 25 minutes sometimes. And I would interchange them all. But I always used to open with that one. Um, and I quite often do it when I go into schools, particularly with the younger ones, it works quite well. But I know that one pretty well, but it's been a while since I've done it. Alright, so that's Tick, did that off the nut. Alright, okay, next one, a little bit trickier. Um, this is a piece called Times of Respect, which was originally written a few years ago. Maybe it was 20, 2018, 2019, for a... Um, a night run by a poet and writer called Inuit Elms and it's called Hi Hip Hop. Oh, I can never remember the name of it. But it's like a hip hop inspired poetry night. Uh, and this one really is... Explains in a way how... Uh, partly why I wound up doing all of this stuff. Being a younger of multiple siblings. Number six of seven. But here we go. It's just called Times of Respect. Large up the hip hop heads. Fade to the background, mid-1990s, dinner time, my house. One round dining table, too many mouths. Knives and forks, great plates, each dish contains the same. Chips, beans, something green and something that passed as protein. Dad's holding court as my siblings talk. School, telly, news, sport. Small talk in the conversational canon. Secondary topics on the family hot list. Top of the pops around this table is music. And it's not long before the conversation takes a turn towards it. Turns taken to state claims. Each sibling with a chosen genre. Worn like body armour. Sworn to protect. Me, I'm still finding my feet. My siblings already established with a scene. Techno, grunge, big beat. Hip-hop, jungle, indie. Final word belonging to dad. Blues and folk man with industry experience. The giver of the music gene overseeing the show. Me in the shadows. Eager and keen. Desperately waiting for the conversation to allow me in. I'm only 13 but I know a few things. And I know what I feel when I feel those things. My older siblings are arguing. The train's putting film school. I run the world underground anymore. Words like cars in rush hour traffic. They fly back and forth. It's Nirvana, the prodigy, Wu-Tang Clan. Ronnie Sires and the Orb. I'm poking food with my fork. Scanning the traffic reports. Waiting for a safe spot to step out. Find a lane and set my course. A high-risk manoeuvre with scars from before. Yet I'm feeling sure. I muse on music too. It's what I live for. Mouths move. 
words spew, yet my lips remain taut. Each artist's album and song triggers a neuron spawning a thought. Ideas and opinions bounce around my brain like lottery balls, eager to be drawn. Chances of hitting that winning combination are slim. Hope's light is dim, yet dawn is beginning. I'm only 13, but I know a few things, and I know what I feel when I feel those things. The conversation moves. My dad quietly observes whilst he chews. My oldest brother turns to the next one down and says, I've been listening to Gangstar, mate. Code of the Streets, Guru, Big Tune. Neurons immediately illuminate inside of my brain. Pathways light up like late night traffic on the motorway. This is it. This is my in. My older brother doesn't know it, but I've had that record on repeat. Sneaking into his room when he worked the late shifts, removing the 12 inch with delicate fingertips. Placing the vinyl onto the player, lowering the needle, selecting the speed and imagining that Guru was actually rapping to me. The beat infectious, the strings serene and I know that's DJ Premier scratching in between. I read the sleeve, it's code of the streets. This is my time to speak. My mind's gone into rapture. Lottery balls are prepared for departure, each thought and idea a golden grain of sand. Could make castles with these hands, take the table, show them I understand, impress my siblings, maybe even dad. What I'm about to say is about to make a boy into a man. From mind to mouth, each word bound for a sentence rides out like kiddies on water slides. To the hit the saliva glands, form cement, bottleneck sludge fest in the back of my throat. When the words finally get the green light to go. Beyond the pink of the lips, siblings' ears pricked. The words just slip and flop out into the traffic flow. In one messy lump of spam congealed audio. Um, I de- uh, um, th- that song, um, Code of the Streets, uh, uh, the rapper, he's talking about kids doing crime and being harassed by the police. Speak up, boy. You're mumbling. Uh, that song, Dad. Code of the Streets, Guru, the rapper, he's rapping about kids doing crime and selling drugs and being harassed by the police. How do you know about this, Dad barks. My brother interjects, wait a minute, have you been going into my room again and listening to my records? Dad, he got this from you, my brother, oh what, so it's my fault now? The lottery balls have stopped pinging about, drop mid-air to the ground. It's if somebody pulled the plug out. I just stare at my food. The arguing continues. Dad lectures my siblings about letting me in their room and what I should and shouldn't be listening to. Dad doesn't know that Guru speaks the truth and that the music speaks to me. I'm only 13 but I know a few things and I know what I feel, what I feel those things. Fade back to the background. I've got code of the streets on my head in loop. For now, that I'll have to do. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, so I managed to get through that one. I have been was practicing that a lot of yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I managed to get that one out. All right. So large up all my siblings. Large up anyone who has older siblings who, who, who relates. All right. So I'm going to move on through. Uh, what's next on my list? Okay. Uh, this one. Oh, uh, again, this is one uh, I used to perform many years ago and then stopped. Uh, I used to do it mainly at kind of schools and stuff like that. Um, 
tonight, kind of didn't like it, and then I got asked to do it earlier this year for something. And uh, I'm going into a school and then performing at um, the launch event for Maystone Literature Festival, and this is the kind of thing that tends to go well. Um, but I like it anyway. Uh, I was wrote it many, many years ago when for some reason I was thinking about school I mean I write lots about school but I was thinking kind of broadly on my experience and those of my peers uh, and other people that I knew so this is called whoever said it was easy let me just take a sip of the water um, shouldn't have tied the cap on all right here we go whoever said it was easy getting out of bed on time Eating breakfast, if you're lucky. Jump in the shower, pack your bag, brush your teeth. Wrap up warm, open the door, say goodbye, walk out the door, bop to the bus stop, all the while trying to look cool. Doing all of that, five days a week, that's hard. Getting on the bus and being cussed because your team lost the night before. Or the trainers that you're wearing represent what your mum and dad can't afford. Or your jumper shirt and trousers were what your older brother was wearing the year before. Or there's a girl sitting two seats behind you that you fancy for two years. And you know that she has her hair on a bun on Mondays and Tuesdays. Whereas eyeshadow on a Friday but doesn't get the bus home because of drama class. But she doesn't even know your name. That's hard. Trust me. Doing all of that. Five days a week. That's hard. Sitting in class, and no matter how hard you try, you just can't understand what's going on. Or you're studying so many subjects in one afternoon you get confused. Or the pressure to hit those high grades just to hold down that uni place. That's hard. Doing all of that. Five days a week. That's hard. Having the answer to the one question that at some point in your school life you will be asked over and over again. What do you want to be when you leave? Do we even have an inkling of an answer? That's hard. But what's really hard, what is incredibly hard, what is university challenge hard, is when you know what you want. When you know what you want to be, whatever that may be, but it seems everyone around you wants to tell you, you can't. You can't do that. People like you don't do that. I've never done that. He's never done that. She's never done that. They've never done that. You can't do that. You can't. It's as delicate as an egg, balanced on the slight curvature of a spoon, then placed into a race on school sports day. A plant trying to lay roots in shallow soil subjected to wind. A thin plastic black and white 99p football that makes a ping when kicked and goes off in the wrong direction, floating in slow motion into a bush full of stinging nettles watched by a rabbit of open mouth young boys. An adult robin, leaving a nest full of chicks unattended for a split second under the swooping shadow of a magpie. All because someone says, white kids don't make rappers, black kids don't make painters, brown kids don't make footballers, girls don't sit on boards of big businesses, state school kids don't make prime ministers. For every one can, there must be about a thousand can'ts. That's like a one in one thousand chance of making a can in actuality. It's like trying to hum your own tune in a packed stadium singing a football chant. But that one can is still a chance. 
and I would rather fail trying to succeed than giving in to the voices telling me that I can't. And there's a lot of them. And yes, it is hard. But the more you ignore them, the easier it gets. Ooh, there you go. All right. Oh, that's the kind of like uplifting whatever one. Um, maybe, yeah, it's a little bit like, yeah, kind of piece. But I meant it when I wrote it. And I still do. I suppose the kind of side of the live poetry or spoken word scene is the kind of stuff that I don't really like pertains to things of a similar nature to what that piece is. It's the big, grandiose, tear-inducing, sometimes insincere, dare I say it. Um, but anyway, there you go. Um, all right, okay, so... Uh, one last one from this bit. So this is everything from the top of my head, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this one from the top of my head. It's really short. It's called Fair and Square. So all of these these ones here are all quite old, and most of them are in my book, The Suburban, which I still have copies of available on my website, paulcreed.co.uk, for a mere ten English pounds. I will ship internationally. I'll ship it anywhere, mate. Oh, but I was saying that it's probably on Amazon as well. Um, I did check it once, and there was a copy on there for a quid. That someone was selling so there you go if you skin get that here we go fair and square sports day at middle school she beat me in the penalty contest the underdog mauling the favorite her clean three strikes to my two and one complete miss kick she held her nerve as she does today like a grenade pin gripped by teeth i lost mine along with my pride her face held the firmest of foundations, cradling a cauldron of frustrated concentration as she tucked each shot into the bottom corner of the net against what was then one of the best keepers in the school. She said she meant it. I said it was a fluke. It didn't matter. Her face that day said it all. She wanted it more than me. That day, in front of all my mates, my little sister won the sports day penalty contest fair and square right there you go so that concludes that little opening section so these are all the ones um i'm i'm sorry if this mic's going in and out um it's all a little bit hickledy pickledy in here inside the studio um sorry just taking a gulp of water so yeah these are all the pieces which i'm being trying to commit to memory again and as i mentioned earlier i, I don't think my memory is where it once was. I'm 40 now. I don't know if that means anything. I'm not. You know, I'm not senile, but I do worry sometimes. I ask my wife. I'm ridiculously forgetful. I pick things up and put things down, but I don't know. Maybe everyone does that. All right. So these next few pieces are. Uh, I'm aiming these for Friday, and some of them will not make the cut. Um, some of them will not be performed. So Friday, I'm performing at Poetry and Papa Doms in London. And uh, it's a gig I've done a few times. I think the last time I did this um, not quite live podcast was getting ready for one of those. And probably like Paul Lyles, who runs it and hosts it, he's a great guy, Leeds fan, funny poet, yeah, really cool guy. He still gives me gigs and he knows how to put on good gigs. So I'm really grateful. I said to my dad the other day on the phone that if if this is how it is these days where I don't do that many many gigs anymore, 
I would rather do gigs like Poetry and Bobadoms a couple times a year than than doing loads of random ones all throughout the year, like regularly. You know, like I've done a ton of back rooms in pubs and all that stuff and, you know, uh, where there's an audience of, I don't know, 20 people who aren't listening or you go to do one of these sort of spoken word events and everyone in the audience is a, is a writer themselves who are just waiting to perform and no one's listening. Um, I've done enough of those, mate. Uh, so I'm happy to do these little infrequent gigs and Paul runs a really good gig. Poetry and Papa Doms is at the Chocolate Factory. It's a lovely venue. There's an Indian kitchen there, so it's like vegetarian uh, Indian food. It's Thali. I can't come in entirely like when it's like um sort of tapas style. I should know that really. But yeah, and it's, it's drinks and he doesn't overload the night. He gets three acts. So the headline act is a guy called Simon Munnery. He's quite well known on the comedy circuit and poetry circuit. Poet who I've not seen before called Kareen Hobb. And Paul himself will do a little bit. And then, of course, there's me. So it's a really good gig and he's cultivated an audience which is predominantly made up of local people. It's not made up of just people like me who just want to get on the mic, which I think is a good thing, which is one thing I found about that world, the sort of live spoken word world. It's a little bit too insular sometimes. Anyway, um, here we go. So this is the first piece. I don't know if to do. I was going through it earlier and I was like, oh, I kind of forgotten about this. I think I wrote it last year. It's called Chair Wars. Let me just get this ready here because a lot of bits of paper. I did one of those things where I printed it out and didn't do the double-sided thing. So I've unnecessarily used double the amount of paper. So you'll hear the paper floating. Anyway, Chair Wars. The setup for our form tutor was three rows. Single desk row on the sides double desk row in the middle our little firm hugged the first four desks on the right hand side if you're facing the front of the class where mrs khan sat our tutor kells and luco held the front desk me and gary the second ram and rhino sat behind shane and danny at the back we held it down during registration and the other random tutor group things we occasionally had to do like pshe whatever that was this MPE were probably the only time mixed ability kids actually mixed, gearing us up for the future. Mrs. Calm was the form tutor, fairly stern but liked a calm class with the occasional giggle. There was never any set places for anyone to sit at, no formalised desk plan, we were year 11s with a gnat's eyelash of independence. Technically, you could sit where you wanted, technically. The whole tutor group seemed to have their preferred spots and just stuck to them. The prime real estate was at the bottom left back of the class. You had the windows for a good lookout. I liked a good lookout the window. The back unit which you could lean on or leave your bag on. It was a sweet spot. This highly valued piece of land was held by a crew of girls who were legion. About eight of them. In any other lesson they wouldn't be sat at the back of the class. They were all nice girls and high achievers. Back of the class was for tough kids and knobs like me who weren't tough but still mucked about until we got told off but occasionally gave a bit of jib back to the teachers. I wasn't happy about these unwritten rules. Nowhere was it stated that we had a seating plan. 
Mrs. Khan didn't roll like that. She valued the Nats eyelash of independence we were afforded, as did we, as did I. Technically, you could sit where you wanted. Technically. Yet we all fell into line. I've always questioned things. I'm an ideas guy. I felt it unfair the girls had a monopoly on that timeshare. It was only fair that us boys should share it. Share and share alike. And maybe don't give it back once obtained. It was our time. Action needed to be taken. I called it on. I said, listen boys, we should take that space. Tomorrow we'll get into class early and claim it as ours. So when the girls arrive, we'll already be camped out, firmed up, having changed the locks like squatters, but with the impact of revolutionaries. But importantly, done legally. We'd just be asserting our rights because technically, you can sit where you want. Technically. Next morning I arrived. Nervous, but cocky, but scared, and ultimately unsure about what I was doing. Pretty much a default position for me at any point during my life counting on the support of my peers but not guaranteed of it just another day Gary arrives Gary held a lot more weight than me people respected him more he wore kickers and a Kappa Puffer jacket I had imitation kickers and an Eisnigger jacket barely respectable but sometimes Gary listened to me sometimes the girls group all travelled in from the same place their bus was nearly always late so we had time on our side. Me and Gary nodded heads, picked up our bags, we made our move, knowing that when the other boys arrived, the takeover would be complete. Bowled over there like heroes, even though no one noticed. Plunked my bag on the back shelf unit, had a good old gawp out the window. The world looked a grey sheen of fine. Put my feet up on the chair next to me, breathed the air, tasted the moment, and it tasted good. But it didn't feel right. Butterflies. Felt wrong. But what was wrong? Technically, you could sit anywhere you wanted. Technically. We got a couple looks from the other people in the class. No one said nothing, no. Probably because Gary was there. But we held it down. It was ours. Rhino and Ramo arrived in the door. They clock us. Then look away and sat in their usual seats. I felt a feeling rise within me that wasn't nice. Like I'd just been disrespected. A familiar feeling. I casually smiled like I hadn't noticed it. Just butterflies, just butterflies, pussies, I said. Don't worry, Gary, they'll be over in a minute. Gary looked nonplussed either way. I think he was just enjoying something different. Kells and Luco arrived next. People were scared of Kells. He wasn't scared of teachers, often disruptive, didn't care much for order. He was certain to join the ranks. He looked at us, then looked away. Kells, how? Like the other two, I called him a pussy. I kept that one to myself. My sense of fairness didn't extend to mates who could chin me. The girls finally arrived in the door. The moment of reckoning. Stay strong. They came in force and stormed the bottom corner of the class. Outraged. Kicking off straight away. One of them tried to grab my bag. I pulled it to my chest and retreated my legs from the back unit. We can sit where we want, I said. Free country, without any understanding of what that meant. One of the girls is pulling on the sleeves of Gary's puffer. He no longer looked amused of it at all. With just one scowl, the girl then backed off. They then turned their attention to me. I tried a Gary Light scowl, pretty sure that the girl I aimed at it laughed. I could feel myself wilting. Hold on, hold on, we were winning, hold on. They then deployed their greatest weapon and protested to Mrs. Khan with the fervour of student activists with the right accent and vocabulary. 
Mrs. Khan looked up at us, then down at our re her register and sighed and ordered us back to our seats. I protested to Mrs. Khan, asserting some reason. Technically, miss, we can sit where we want. Technically, it's not fair, miss. Mrs. Khan waved away my pathetic protest, my dignity, my human right to free expression and the right to sit where I wanted in the tutor group. With a casual authoritarian override, no one coming to my rescue. Though deep down I was sure they all agreed. Nah, I'm not going, I said, even though I knew I was going. Mrs. Khan stands up. Stop wasting my bloody time, you silly boys. My face goes red. Picked up my bag, pushed further into my chest. I took one last look out of that glorious window and trudged back to my usual desk. The other boys looking at me. I smiled to hide the humiliation. Kells grinned at me, turned to Luco and made a wanker sign. Ram and Rhino said nothing. Our revolution was short-lived. Gary looks at me. You knob, that was never going to work, he says. But technically, you can sit anywhere you want. Technically, just shut up, man, he says. Mrs. Khan calls the register. I put my head on my bag, deflated. Kells turn around and laughs at me. You wanker, he says. I never was a leader. I had the ideas but lacked the execution. But a permanent point to prove, like a car, a destination, but no driving skills. I had drive though, just a shame it was all as useful as that cheap pencil with a forever breaking tip that sat on the inside of my school blazer, the only piece of stationery I owned. Right, there you go. Um, yeah, so there's that, <laughs> I quite like that, it kind of made me laugh. Um, I'm not overly familiar with it, but I might be able to get away with that on Friday, reading it off the paper. Um, how long have we been going here? See, it's hard to say. So when I look at the time on Cubase, it doesn't really tell me how long. It says 903. See, I don't know what that means. Is that seconds? How many? 60? No, that can't be. 900 minutes? I don't flipping know. All right, okay, we'll, we'll keep it rolling. I can already feel my voice starting to go. Um, Odin has just walked in. He's the he's the the elder sibling of the two dogs I've got. Well, they're not actually siblings; they're auntie and uncle. But he's the older one, and he's nephew, but he's older, and he's the boy. Okay, so uh, right next on the list, little shorter one. Uh, speaking of dogs, this is a little bit of serendipity. Being that the, uh, this one's just walked in, this is a dog piece called "Not Quite a Cheater." Was out on the common, just got back from a run, and I was stretching. Whilst in the downward dog position, enjoying the unorthodox view of this pleasant part of Plumstead. From between my legs I see this upside down bull terrier bursting across the ring to obediently fetch a tennis ball and return it to a stern voiced lady wearing a pristine pair of pink harachis. She then threw the ball further and the dog ran again. I abandoned my stretching just to take this moment in and stood there for a few minutes watching it run back and forth. The way that dog moved was mesmerising. So low to the ground, fast, powerful, precise, and a little bit scary. It reminded me of watching Newsround when I was a kid, as bizarre-looking cars attempted to break the land speed record in a desert, clouds of dust in their wake, camera picture flickering as if the lens was burning from the heat. I'm as much into cars as I am into dogs, but that full terrier display was a Grand Prix worthy of my attention. Maybe as close as I'll ever get to stretching on the Serengeti 
watching cheetahs make magic with their legs. So there you go. I wrote that um, a few years ago. Maybe it was at the start of lockdown. I can't really remember. But it was definitely pre-dogs. Now, around about this time, at some point, my wife would have said to me, Oh, Paul, what do you think about getting a dog? And I would have said something along the lines of, Yeah, dogs are nice, but it's a lot of responsibility. Uh, you know, we'd have to look after it. And I'd probably have to walk it all the time. So no, thank you. And then that was that. And then a few months later, I get the same question again. Paul, what do you think about getting a dog? And I say, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility. Uh, and I'd have to walk it all the time. A few months later, fast forward, I get this. Uh, I don't get the same question. I just get, Paul, I've bought a dog. And it's a lot of responsibility. And I have to walk it all the time. And about a year after we got the first dog, our lovely Odin, my wife comes to me and says, what do you think about getting a second dog? And you can imagine how that one went. So we have two lovely doggies, Odin and Freya, who's downstairs somewhere. Two miniature schnauzers who bark a lot. Anyway, um, I'm very happy with them. I love them to bits. So that was written before. And also I mentioned cars in that piece. I'm currently learning to drive badly. Um, I have a test booked in November. But yeah, we'll see how that one goes. All right. Driving is just not for anxious people, is it? I hope you can get over it. Anyway, okay, so the next one. This is another one that I wrote somewhere, sometime in the last year, I think. Never performed it. It's called Premium Speed Ghost Train. We were in the service lifts on the way down to Gatwick's underbelly, picking up a delivery, stretching time as long as we could. Tom told me he'd gone shopping with his missus up to Oxford Street, took the Gatwick Express, Flashed that staff pass and got that sexy 50% discount. Like I knew that was a thing. I never knew that was a thing. The Gatwick Express. Gatwick to London, Victoria Direct, non-stop every 15 minutes. He went on the Gatwick Express, mate. In 21 years, I'd never once stepped foot on it. Maybe as a kid, I'd wondered what it was like. On occasion, as an adult, watched it bolt through Hawley, arm's length from the airport, fast up to London whilst I waited for the stopper train. Imagining the premium passengers were all making wanker signs at us mugs, looking all forlorn on the platform, awaiting the slow service. The price for speed made it out of reach, and out of reach became out of mind, and despite hearing and seeing this thing several times a day on a daily basis for only my whole life, I barely noticed it was there like a premium speed ghost train that was no longer scary, just another extra making up the numbers in the background. I gave Tom a nod like it was nothing. Meanwhile, in the back of my mind, I was a plus one at a dull wedding who's just realised it was a free bar. I designated my next day off as a trip to Oxford Street. I didn't even need anything. Come that Monday, I flashed that staff pass at the ticket office and watched that price drop on the till screen like a bad day at the stock exchange. Bopped down to platforms one and two. Didn't even wait 15 minutes. Hopped onto my waiting carriage, selected a spacious window seat and enjoyed the vibration on the glass as it bolted through at speed. All the usual haunts like skipping the queue for the roller coaster. Trying not to boast but couldn't help grinning. I wanted to tell someone. I'm on the Gatwick Express, mate making the most of that extra legroom. 
tourists wondering what on earth I was smiling about. In no time, Surrey became Croydon and Croydon became London, Victoria. Got off the train thinking that was sick. I can't wait to go home. Next day at work, back in the basement, pretending that the service list weren't working again, Tom goes, what did you do on your day off then? I rode the ghost train, mate, I reply. You what? He says, nothing. There you go, right? Maybe I should have prefaced that with a little bit as I used to work at Gatwick Airport. So I grew up in Hawley, which is right next to Gatwick, very close enough I could walk there. And Hawley Station is probably 200 metres from Gatwick train station. That's very, very close. So yeah, we're living there. We, We never had a car as a kid. So we used to get the trains everywhere, but never the Gatwick Express. Okay, uh, so I'm going to do the last one of this bit. Um, I have no idea how long I've been going on for now, and I'm going to do some music and then we're done, because I think I need to feed the dogs. I think I started around seven. All right, so again, this is another piece I wrote during lockdown. Um, Never thought I'd perform it. Didn't think it was that sort of piece. I'm pretty sure I put it up on the the blog one time. Um, But there's a reason why I pulled it out. So it it mentions my wife, who's currently uh, in America for work, and uh, I miss her a lot. I'm 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 alright being on my own because I get to do this stuff, you know, writing and and doing music and and whatever. I'm I'm quite boring. But I like my work and I can kind of throw myself into that. But I'm actually really missing her um, this week. She's been gone for a week now and she's back at the end of this week. And probably not back in time to to come to any of the gigs. But anyway, um, so it's kind of relevant because at the start of this year, I was uh, seeing a mental health professional about some things and one of the she asked me one time in one of the sessions had I ever been diagnosed uh, with ADHD so I was like no anyway long story short after a very long process I wound up getting a diagnosis in late January I think it was February I can't remember Um, now I'm a little bit skeptical about ADHD if I'm being honest it's a label that gets thrown around quite casually uh you know um however I think for me really it's just like a a loose set of symptoms but it's made me look at things a bit differently and explore why it is I behave in certain ways and without I'm not going to go into some self in indulgent kind of uh meandering into my deep and darkest i mean i'm just waffling with my own writing for the last hour um you know it's just maybe i have a a, a, a look into things and, and look at things slightly differently and it kind of goes some way to explaining this next piece which i wrote prior to all of this anyway so i'm going to finish on this one and we're going to get into some music and then that's it mate all right So this is called Slow and Steady. I miss my wife. Hold tight, Janice. My wife is helping me to eat my food slowly and by proxy control my impulses. 
which is exactly what I used to tell the year fours every day when I worked in primaries. They were nine, I was 37. She tells me to chew 20 times before I swallow this bite of a burger I've got in my mouth. I know also that I should say a full sentence in my head before I take the next bite. This burger is absolutely banging. And at present, the concept of delayed gratification is a utopian pipe dream. I want to murder this burger and leave no trace. When it comes to food, I'm Wolverine in full berserker mode. And this unhealthy habit of mine ain't going quietly. I've had a lifetime of practice and I'm hardwired for destruction. I love eating. But I often prefer to do it on my own. After smashing up some oven food with pre-packed veg and baked beans, I want to lick the plate clean and not feel embarrassed. Eat the biggest fry up, pay up and leave. Not have work colleagues or housemates make comments of what I eat. Meal times as a kid were difficult. I often couldn't wait to finish. I hated the sound of people eating, including me. Knives and forks scraping plates. Four small talk and grace. Mum and Dad insisted we sat at a table most nights and eat the food Mum made, hearty and simple. When mates came round for tea, they'd think I was posh, regardless of what was or wasn't in the pot. Some of them had Sky TV and The Simpsons, which is what I dreamed of. I often acted up at mealtimes, testing my Dad's stern authority, or I'd withdraw inside and stay stum. Most times I wanted to eat as quick as I could so I could resume playing football down the side of the house on my own, enacting out games I'd conjured up in my head or the latest episode in the long-running football saga I'd been developing over weeks and months. Or most days I'd polish my plate lively, wash up then burn upstairs to continue playing whatever computer game I was into. As I got older, football and games were replaced by music and lyrics. It weren't long before I had a full-time job. Time was of the essence and food got in the way of creating. I learnt to make basic meals which required minimal amounts of cleaning up. Though it was never that quite, quite that efficient. Put a plate of food in front of me and I transformed to a pack of wolves in a feeding frenzy and demolished a lot within minutes. Often taking way more than I needed and bloating myself out for the rest of the evening. There's this thrill in seeing it, smelling it, getting it all in my mouth. It's like a fruit machine with every light flashing in double time, treble cherries lasered onto my eyes. It's payout time and no one's leaving alive. Excuse me. <laughs> I just burped, sorry. It's why I try not to buy big bags of sweeties or crisps. As soon as that seal is broken, I'm a swarm of locusts and a field full of fresh crops. When I first met my wife... She was surprised that I rarely had food in the fridge or the cupboard, and I'd be annoyed at the Inquisition. I bought food as and when I needed it. If I knew there was food, I'd be eating it. I had things to do that were more important to me than eating fancy dinners. When last year we got married, it hit me like a custard pie in the face in front of my mates, how important to me my family was and by extension my new family too. All those dinner times as kids were daily practice matches prepping me for life's bigger moments. I shunned them, and it shows, which is why I'm sat here now at the kitchen table summer's evening, my wife, her parents and sibling, and she's having to help me learn how to eat. 
progress is slow, but mostly steady, and his speed what done me before. So I'm applying the brakes. I'm starting to reap the benefits. At least this way, I'm cutting down the belly aches and the farts. Whatever my age. All right, there you go. Okay. All right, so that's all that. Um, um, jury's out on that. I'll have a little listen back to this probably tomorrow and make my mind up about what I'm going to do. But here you go. Um, a little bit personal, I suppose, but here we go. All right, so I'm going to move into some music. Um, and the first piece I'm going to do is um, a song from um, a show called No Milks for the Foxes. So Beats and Elements is the hip-hop theatre company uh, I co-set up with my good pal Conrad Murray. He's smashing it out there in, in, in theatre. Um, it's published in the book, The Hip-Hop Theatre Anthology, which you can get on the Bloomsbury website. I've got a couple of copies myself. Um, but yeah, this is this is the title song from the show, No Milk for the Foxes. It's the first show we did together in 2015. It's kind of mad. We made it in his little studio and uh, but we ran it at Cannon People's Theatre and it all went a bit nuts. We had mad reviews and the show got then put out online during lockdown. Some idiot held the footage back from us and we finally got it back, stuck it out online during lockdown, put it on YouTube and got loads more reviews again. I've never been in a show that's had so much press than this one. But anyway, alright? This is called No Milk for the Voxes. Yeah. I know what I've done wrong there. I'm well I'm well rusty on the looper, alright? <laughs> okay, I know what I've done wrong with that. Here we go. Here we go. 
They don't know how we live, they don't know how we love, they don't know how we give, they don't know how we live, they say we're nothing, they think we ain't nothing, that we don't learn nothing, we ain't got a chance to earn nothing, they say we're feckless, but we ain't the people with all the money acting reckless, change your goalposts constantly just to test us, the only time they came onto our estates is when they came to arrest us, listen, they say we're lacking aspiration, but People in poverty are working hard Blood, tears, perspiration They made their money sitting on their ass. We made our money making things But that's a thing of the past I repeat the working class with the haves But we're not the have-nots, we're the chads And our humanity been lost They know the value of nothing They sure they know just what the cost is Don't know what the loss is No more milk for the foxes They know the value of nothing, they sure they know just what the cost is. Don't know what the loss is, no more milk for the foxes. Put us in boxes. They know the value of nothing, they sure they know just what the cost is. Don't know what the loss is, no more milk for the foxes. I walk like I'm in a bathtub I've been running up a bar tab for 10 hours in a big stack Arms giving up like retired jazz hands Legs weighed down of inertia, neck pain and a scratch All of this to earn a scratch and the right to reside in the postcode in the smoke And chose that path and I ran, trying to make that train in the rain It's 7.45am and the weekend is 4 days away Cocky boys and kids and kickboards of the ghoul to call me fella and geezer Trying to get me to donate to a place that's world away Minus the commission and glossy ad campaign Not today mate, out my way bruv, I'm running late Start picking up my pace, stacking umbrellas in my face All these shops just look the same, I never chain this Drop this drunk on a train, a deja vu this street scene is on loop Like getting that letter from a credit estate Now my credit card payment is overdue Can't work out what to do I like the skill set Numbers get money on my brain Get in trouble when I have my review Can't work out what to do I've got no value and This is job is destroying my attitude They know the value for nothing It's what the cost is Don't know what the loss is No more milk for the foxes Put us in boxes They know the value of nothing You sure they know just what the cost is Don't know what the loss is No more milk for the foxes Put us in boxes Right, there you go um, <laughs> That was loose and well rough I haven't done that for a long time No milk for the foxes I've got to do this uh, on a Thursday evening, so I'm going to have to run that one a few more times. Okay, so the, the last two bits I wanted to do, so I'm going to do them on the looper. I'm going to freestyle it a bit. And really, they're two 64-bar verses, and then I'm going to improvise the backing on them and just try and see if I can remember the bars. And this is what I'm going to perform at this event. Um, which they've asked me to do and I'm well ropey. I don't know if I can remember all the songs that I know or used to know on here. So when I rap, I tend to split it in two. Uh, I really have based them on tempo. So typically hip-hop, kind of 90s hip-hop, which is what I like, 
is around 90 BPM, roughly. So I, uh, I quite often will stick, I have a load of bars that's written at that tempo, which I've adapted to, to whatever song that they end up being used upon. And then, of course, um, I love gram and dubstep, which is around 140 beats per minute, which is a lot faster, even though the music is often half the time. So I write loads of lyrics at that tempo and then just have a stash of them. All right, so the first one I'm going to do, this is a 64-bar verse. I'm going to riff it. It is actually a song that's on the EP I put out at the end of last year, uh, Toasting the Machine. So the song is called Now What Do You Want to Say? All right, now I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. All right, so let's see how this works. All right. All right, so I wouldn't normally do this, but I just stopped the recording because what I did was so bad. I can't put that out. I don't mind making mistakes. It's partly what this is about, but what I did was awful and I got on a muddle on the loop station. It's been ages since I've used this. Not that that's an excuse, of course. All right, so I'm going to reload. All right, start again. Then, well, it's not quite live, like I said. All right, at least I weren't lying, okay? From what I stress about a fan base, I'm a needle in a haystack where not a lot of people like it. Hey, that's a straw fact, and I'm okay with that. I do this because I like it. The best things I life are abstract, like a pineapple on a cyclist. I do social media, and yeah, I could probably do a lot more. But when it comes to working out what to do, I get overwhelmed by the thought. I'm overwhelmed by the sheer amount of content that's up online, and I'm meant to be one of them vying to occupy your mind. There's a finite amount of time that people have to spend watching.
emerging things There's bigger voices with bigger arms and a bigger reach than me It seems if you scream loud enough the drawbridge will open up When the promised land on the other side is probably just as fucked I don't wanna play that game and even if I did I probably wouldn't My status falling you off would be like going to war with something wouldn't I waste time worrying about saying things that I probably shouldn't When the goalposts shift like shit after laxatives in a pudding And sometimes I think back to all the jobs that I did I laugh when I'm whinging, thinking things could be worse than this Got mates who probably think I'm a prick when I'm getting up on a high horse When they get on up a four, doing a job that faith and shit I moan about filling out hard questions on funding forms Ranting on about who writes these forms and who they're written for And really I should be writing on now I wanna make like Ryan bars where embody everything that I flippin' ain't Ah shut up mate you're boring yeah I'm boring mate I know But what do we do about it when so much gets my goat I wish that I could be one of them who says it they know vote Cause it all, all a bunch of C words like corrupt conniving and coke It's a world of easy wins putting things in boxes and bins But it's never all that simple good and evil what about in between Yin and yang what happens to that like my fossil on the mount There's a dark side in the picture and I'm Simba trying to figure it out that all right that was a bit of a mess i kind of have one one bass line um that i wanted to do and the harmonies all went skew with but i guess that's the thing with doing this kind of why i'm doing it tomorrow because we're doing it live part of it is about improvising so i just improvised the beat vaguely remembered the bars but i got the bars out all right don't judge me so yeah that song is called uh well the bars are from a song called um now what do you want to say which is a track on the Toast in the Machine EP, which you can find on pretty much all your streaming platforms. Okay, the last thing I'm going to do is something similar. All right, but that, those bars were 140, by the way, or they're meant to be anyway. I think they're slightly faster than that. Um, this is um, some bars that are uh, 90 BPM. All right. So again, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to kind of like riff it with the backing track. Uh, if you've got this far and you've still listening thank you very much this is being beneficial to me but i hope you've got something out of it um i need to get more practicing on this clearly <coughs> all right here we go
Said these are the bars from a track called What's on Prominence. Here we go. Find me up in Pomelis and Tower Bridge Sitting with the boys for a couple drinks Come 10.30 and we've all chipped Life's to live when we all value kip Mid-30s now I've calmed down I was never bad but man I like to head out Down pints, see bass, then block out See it on my face, I'm tired now I've written pages on escape in my hometown Did it, done it, said it, did it, so what now? I'm not rich, but I'm not skinny Bills got paid and I can buy around. Treasure the look on my missus face On the days where there's things we can celebrate It's been a few mate, hopefully more Maybe get a gaff and that, pictures on the wall There's still plenty of bullets to get me mad about Then get me started on the politics and Kept the socials for gigs, still lips and mouth You never know, I might explode and let it all out Stood on stage and got paid to speak Flipping on mate, for me that's a feat Maybe you just lack the more the belief School days like water for the scene Wrote about school, made my fingers bleed These every last drop from my memories So what now? The future's full of maybes It's hard though mate, cause things have been alright lately I'm getting lazy, or am I getting older? Back in the day I was a little bit older I don't know man, life I got a hold of I'm old enough to know I know nothing, remain a roller that's first 32 I didn't even link properly You might find me on the DLR Bullish bound, head down, trying to write a bar Nothing changed there, still the same, yeah No quiet mate, but I've grown a few grey hairs Couple more now, they're raising up the train fares Burned it in mind, four, gotta take care Ring on my finger, feeling like a millionaire Central bankers pulling numbers out of thin air Yeah, put a frame around my life, now I see the bigger picture Prior to that, I was in the hall of mirrors Preoccupied with images, it's still in my figure More time on marriage, less time on Twitter Easily said, harder implemented Try and say less, unless I meant it Drop the jazz out, couldn't defend it Last thing on what it was, being dependent Still see the boys, just not enough Treasure them pommelers beers when we're getting tanked up Cliches getting true by the day A geezer needs space and a geezer need to get away A little spot that he can call his spot Where he can sit and get on with what he wants Sometimes I just want to stare out the window Nothing doing, just watching the wind blow My melancholy knowledge is susceptible to nothing Random thoughts and images, derivatives of bluffing Alcoholic artists waiting for the second coming Even for prodigies delivered, hit the ground running I suffer for the penance, aiming for the the do penance, aiming to casually bowl through the, the gates Something to dwell on when reflecting on my days <laughs> The struggle, 32 verse 32 done Alright, let's end this. Alright, that was a mess. Alright, so I've got a little bit of work to do. I'm going to lock this off now. But uh, if you got this far, large up. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, Pigs and taters, alright. New lager time out Friday. But yeah, thank you very much. Keep it lager. It's longer time. Yay. Longer time. Poems, stories and thoughts. By me, Paul Green. 
something else.